Amen and Amen. You may please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Trust you had a great week. Amen. Can we celebrate the Lord Jesus once again? Amen and Amen. Praise God. All right. So this morning we're still continuing our discourse, right? The series on becoming better. And um, last week we spoke on becoming spiritually better. God's word and promise to us as a people for the year 2024 is that better days are here. And we have emphasized that in order for you to, for things to become better, you need to become better. For things to become better, you need to become better. And so we said in the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at seven different areas of our lives where we need to make adjustments, where things need to become better so that by the year Um, year end we'll be able to say of a truth that we have lived in the reality of our better days hallelujah and today is also our love lounge sundays praise god all right every last sunday in the gateway church is dedicated to family life re-engineering is where we talk about relationship marriage love dating and everything in between and so um today um Whatever title works for you, I'm still going to be talking about the same thing. What I'm going to be talking about this morning, right, the focus is on becoming or building a better marriage as it were, building a better marriage. So the focus today is on how we can build better marriages. And the title I'm going to be, you know, focusing on is 12 things wise couples do together. All right. 12 things wise couples do together. In Genesis chapter 2, I want us to start from that place. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 to 25. I'm going to be speaking shortly this morning, right? So that we can have time for Q&A. Because at the same time, it's also our second week. Our week 2 of the 7 prophetic praise opera, right? And we're still going to take our time. We're not excited about that. I thought we were going to be excited. All right, praise God. So, um, we're still going to be taking our time to praise God, right? And also, you know, to do what he has told us to do for the next seven Sundays. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 to 25. Can we read together one to go? Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. They shall be one flesh and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed all right so one of the things i also wanted to mention right is um at the love lounge services right in case some of us may not be aware we always give out um give room for q a right so i'm going to be speaking shortly then after that we'll have like 15 to 20 minutes right to answer questions right that's first lady and i so you can um scan the qr code right to send in your questions all right praise god I strongly believe it is possible in this age and time to still build a better marriage, to build a successful marriage. I strongly believe it is possible to have a marriage that works. And one of the things we need to realize is where it begins is in your thoughts, is in your mind, is in your belief. If you believe that, you know, every marriage is struggling, every marriage is full of crisis, then that will be your experience. But if you believe it is possible to have a crisis-free marriage, if you believe it's possible to have a peaceful marriage, then that is also going to be your experience. Because the Bible says, for surely there is an end and your expectation will not be cut off. So what you expect, even in marriage, is what you will eventually experience. And I want us to understand that God did not create marriage in order for people to endure it, but for them to enjoy it. 
There is nothing that God created, right, for his own benefit. He created it for our benefit. And one of the reasons why he created marriage, right, is to complement us, right, um, for us to enjoy as it were. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 2 and verse 18, that it is not good for man to be alone. And the Bible says that God himself said that we make for him a help meet. He didn't say we make for him a help meet. Help meet. A lot of people are changing that scripture now to say help meet. That's not what the Bible says. He says that we make, because what that help meet means is, I will make a help suitable for him. He didn't say they are mates. In Christ, men and women are the same, but in marriage, they are not the same. I'm going to say that again. And I know some people will not like to hear that. Because in this generation, where a lot of things are being redefined, right? Everybody say, well, we are equal before God as human beings. But in marriage, our roles are not the same. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? You see, with every technological advancement, I'm yet to see a car that has two steering. Uh, somebody will get anywhere. Because everybody will have an opinion of how to drive, when to press accelerator, when to press the brake. You know, if you are being beaten by the feminist, gen, um, feminist movement bug, you will not like what I'm saying this morning. I hear what I'm saying. But I'm here to just tell you the truth of God's word and to tell you exactly what the Bible says. Not my opinion, right? Not my own tendency, uh, uh, my tilt as it were, but what God's word says. What God's word says. The Bible says that the man shall be the head of his home. Not the head of all women, but of, the, of his own home. And it is also wrong as a man to believe you have control over every woman. That's not scriptural. I hear what I'm saying. You only have, you know, jurisdiction and leadership in your own home, right? Over the people God, you know, has placed you over, not over every woman. Because some men have a problem with that. You're working with someone in the office, you know, a colleague who is a lady, or maybe your senior. And I believe how can a woman be giving me instruction? She can give you instruction because you're at work. You are not at home. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Alright, so we need to understand that balance. So here scripture is saying that a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his own wife. And cleaving here, right, the dictionary defines it, right, as being able to stick fast to. And that simply talks about a postage, you know, for those of us that still remember writing letters, we still remember, <laughs> you know, when you want to send a letter, there is always a stamp. Right, so when you put the stamp, the stamp determines where the letter will get to. So if the letter is going very far, it will determine the number of stamps you will buy. And the stamp is not removed until it gets to its destination. So when the Bible says you shall cleave even to your own wife, that's what it's talking about. It means to stick fast to until you get to your destination, and your destination will only happen at death. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. Someone can say, I've gotten to my destination now. I can remove the cleaving and pick up another person. It never ends well. I hear what I'm saying. I hear what I'm saying. Ask Solomon. Solomon thought he could take as many as he could. Huh? Let's take 700. You see, you will never be satisfied because how much is enough? How much is enough? After the 700 legal married ones, he still went after 300. For you to know, you will never be satisfied. No, the satisfaction will not because, you see, there is a space in every human spirit that is only God that can satisfy. And so when you are trying to use other human beings to satisfy, you will never be satisfied. You will keep looking for what is not lost. You just keep searching and searching and searching and you never find what you're looking for. 
So we need to understand that it is our, you know, it should be our goal for every one of us that are single and everyone who is already married. Your goal should be that, you know, I'm in this marriage and my goal is to make it work. It's to make it work at all costs. I hear what I'm saying. Now, if your life is being threatened, please seek professional help. You are not the one I'm talking to this morning. I hear what I'm saying. When your life, because the covenant of life is greater than the covenant of marriage. You need to be alive to be married. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? They can't be giving you uppercut, giving you slap hand, fourth hand, everything. And I say, they say we should cleave. You will cleave to death. That one, your own death will come earlier. So that's not what I'm saying this morning. There's a balance to these things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. Because, you know, sometimes in church, people, we need to give the balance. Sometimes we are, this is what Pastor said, though. So we die here. Even if you arrive in heaven before your time, <laughs> they may even beat you. <laughs> what are you doing here? We have not finished your mansion. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So, 12 things. 12 things that wise couples should do together. And if you're single, please pay attention to these things also because knowledge has both an immediate value and a post-dated relevance. Don't switch up this morning. Don't think, oh, pastor is only talking to married people. The best time to start learning about marriage is before you are married. Before you are married. In fact, you are better positioned when you learn about marriage before you get married. Remember when I was on campus from 200 level, I started reading books. On marriage. Of course, I wasn't planning to get married when I was on campus. You see, there is a difference between reading when you're about to write the exam and reading way before you plan to write the exam. It will enter better. When you are not there planning to write the exam, you will read to understand. But when you are reading, when it is almost exam time, you are reading to remember, not to understand. That's why you see that many graduates today, even with good grades, when you put them in situations where they need to practicalize what they passed, they can't do anything. Why? Because they only read to remember to write, not to really understand. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, so when you learn about these things early in life, especially as a single, right? Because one of the things I've come to realize is when people start learning about marriage, when they're already planning to get married, most time it doesn't enter. What they are thinking of is venue. I should be color of the day, the shoe, the dress. That's what they are thinking. As is entering one here, it's coming out in the other. So the first thing wise couples must do and wise singles, right? Whether you are engaged, whether you are married or planning to get married anytime soon. The first thing you must do together if you are going to build a better marriage is to pray together. Is to pray together. Is to pray together. Is to pray together. You must have the time you pray together in marriage. For married people, for engaged people and for engaged people, don't pray together alone in a dark place. It's not time for that one yet. You hear what I'm saying? Let your prayer together be virtual. Because from prayer, you can lead to, <laughs> can lead to something else. You say, let's agree. And little agreement leads to little baby bump. Before time. Praise God. Alright? So pray together. Pray together. I strongly believe families should pray together. And you know, how to apply it as a single, even if you are not yet engaged. Have friends that you pray together. Because whatever is not a lifestyle before you get married will not be a lifestyle in marriage. People just assume that when you walk down the altar and say, I do, automatically it makes you somebody else. No. It will only amplify who you have always been all your life. So if you are not giving to prayer in marriage, you will still not be giving to prayer. And remember, I think I mentioned this during Breakthrough Festival. If you are not giving to prayer, you will be giving to worry. If you are not giving to prayer, you will be giving to anxiety. And let me tell you this, in marriage, a lot of things will show up that will make you anxious. 
So if you don't learn how to depend on God in the place of prayers, while you are still single, while you are not even engaged yet, uh, when you get married, your anxiety will multiply. It will multiply. So the first thing wise people do, anyone that wants to build a better marriage, build better relationships, even in the year 2024 and beyond, is to learn how to pray. Pray. Psalms 5 and verse 3, the Bible says, My voice shall you hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayers unto you, and I will look up. Psalms 55 and verse 17, it says, Evening and morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. It says, It shall hear my voice. It shall hear my voice. You have complained enough. Start praying. Start praying as a couple, as a single. Start praying as a family. Pray. Pray. Many of us will grew up in environments, right, where our parents had morning devotion every single day. But they gave that to you. You, you are not adopting it as a lifestyle. Now, you have left the covering of your parents. You think it is no longer necessary. You don't have a family prayer time. You don't have a personal prayer time. That's a bad behavior. And somebody needs to do something about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, the thing about prayer is prayer is a seed. You are storing it up. You don't know the day you will need the harvest. The problem with the average African is we have seen prayer as a way of getting God to do things. In our own mind, prayer is what we engage in to get God to do what he doesn't want to do. So when we need a breakthrough, and I say, God, see, before you ever desire, let me tell you this, you can't make God to do what he never planned to do in the first place. If you like, fast 100 days, drive fast. If God did not plan to do it, he will not do it. Why we pray is to enforce what God has already planned and proposed for our lives to become a reality. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not to, as it were, move the hand of God. You are too small to move his hand. The Bible says the earth is his foot too. And so someone that is acts as big as it is, is his foot too. Is his hand you want to move with your prayer? Number one, pray together. Number two, fast together. Fast together. Many families are too slow because they don't fast. I hear what I'm saying. Just eat, 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 and eat, and eat. No culture of fasting. No culture of fasting. There is even no awareness, no consciousness that in this house we are given to fasting on specific days or specific seasons. Right? It should be a culture in a Christian home whereby everybody in that home, whether married, engaged, or single, there are people around you even know that at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the month, at the beginning of the second half of the year, or seasons like that, everybody around you just knows they fast in this house. Everybody should just know. And you are not doing it for people, you are doing it for yourself. Because there are certain things that will not happen. Jesus told us, right? Matthew 17 and verse 21. He says, this kind will not go out except by prayer and fasting. So there are certain things that will not happen. Happen in your marriage, happen in your relationship, happen in your own life as an individual if you are not given to a life of fasting. And you don't only fast when you want a breakthrough. You don't only fast when you want things from God. Fasting should be a part of your life. One of the things you just said, three cardinal things that every believer must do. He said when you pray, when you fast, when you give. When, not if. It's a when thing. So it means it must be scheduled, it must be planned. It must be planned. And one thing fasting will do for you, it will make you spiritually alert. It will make you spiritually alert. If you are given to fasting, you will pick things before they get to you. If as a believer, things always happen to you and you don't sense it before it happens, it's because you are not given to fasting. Because another thing fasting does, it increases your discernment. 
You are able to sense things. You may not have the full picture, but you will know that mm, something is something is not right. You are just able to pick it. But you know, some people never pick things. Whether things are wrong, until things scatter, some people don't pick anything. People don't pick anything. Why? Because they are not given to fasting. Fasting also helps you to birth God's plan and purpose for your home, for your marriage. Very important. That's why Jesus said some things will not happen except through prayer and fasting. Because it's the place of fasting and prayer that things are bathed. That things are bathed. You see, it is not easy and that's why everybody don't do, doesn't do it. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> you also fast to resist and nullify the plans of the enemy against your home. Very important. You fast to resist and nullify the plans of the enemy against your home. And if you think the enemy will not come after your marriage, think twice. He came after the marriage, the one that the first marriage that God was a part of. You know, it was God that officiated the wedding of Vida and Eve. He joined them. <laughs> and the devil came after that wedding or after that marriage. So what makes you think he won't come after us? Just study the scripture. The devil always goes after marriages. Why? Because it, a, a marriage that is working reflects a oneness that the devil, you know, he knows he will never have. You think the devil and his demons, you think there's a strong relationship between them? No. <laughs> there isn't. He sees what God has with man. That's what the Bible describes in marriage as the relationship between Christ and the church. And the devil knows he will never have that. So he always comes after marriages. Whether it's a saved marriage, unbelievers marriage, he will always come after every marriage. That's why you see, you know, homes where, you know, things are working. I just say that the children just begin to misbehave. The enemy is at work because somebody's not praying. Someone has given the devil a leeway just to move any way the way he wants. Don't let that happen to you. Number three, you're going to build a better marriage, a better relationship in this year 2024. You must learn to talk together. Talk together. Number one, pray together. Number two, fast together. Number three, what? Talk together. Talk together. A non-communicative marriage is a marriage that is not existing. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, they that feared the Lord, they spoke one they spoke often one to another and the Lord that came and heard it. They spoke often one to another. They spoke often one to another. If you are not talking together, ah, the devil will start talking to one of you. It's just in scriptures. This thing are not, it's not rocket science. What happened to Eve? She started hearing the voice of the serpent. Why? Because she was not hearing the voice of the husband, or the husband wasn't wearing the voice of the wife. If you don't create time to communicate as a family, someone will be hearing the wrong voice. Someone will be hearing the wrong voice. You know how you even know when your partner begins to hear a wrong voice? is in communication. You will just hear his sound. Ah! And no, 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 no. This is the skin of Esau, but the voice of Jacob. Something has changed. Something has changed. I had a story a while back about someone you know, they had a very good marriage. And there was a time the husband got busy, was traveling a lot. So one day he came back and just realized, that, ah, the wife started talking in a way that in over 20 years of marriage, the wife doesn't talk that way. So he knew something was wrong, but he couldn't just place it. So there's a friend they used to have, you know, that they had lost constant contact with. So apparently when he traveled, you see, the wife reconnected with that person. Somehow they found each other and the person would always come around. So one day he went out and he forgot something and came back home early. 
and he just had the conversation the wife was having with that woman. And now the woman was saying, hey, all this your submission thing. Hmm. Your husband is, is, is controlling you. Saying, you know, speaking against every fabric of marriage. Everything the Bible says about marriage. The man just opened the door. He said, thank you. Let my wife be in bondage. That's the bondage we have been in for 20 years and we're enjoying our life. I don't want to see you here again. If the man are not dictated, that's how the marriage you just send one day. And they'll be saying, it's the devil. Is it the, the devil also visits men through men? I hear what I'm saying. Ah, when the devil wants to show up in a marriage, he will send someone. He will start hearing a voice. But you know, the reason why the man could detect it was because he had a strong communication with the wife. So he could sense it when another voice was in operation. Many people are so busy, they don't even have time to talk anymore. They are running after money. <laughs> running after money and they've lost the marriage. Talk together. Talk together. I hear what I'm saying. Talk together. And you must create time for it. See, if you think the fact that people are living in the same house. You know, singles just assume that when people are married, they always talk. Ask married people. You can be under the same roof and not talk. You can go through 365 days and not have one meaningful quality conversation if you are not deliberate about it. All your conversation will just be about, there's no fail in the gen. My gear has finished in the kitchen. Rice and lolly. You know, different. Just, you will think you are talking. Children's school fees. Ah, it's about to be midterm. Uh, party pack for birthday. You just realize that's what you are. You just you are talking actually, but you are not communicating. You just realize that you are growing apart. You are growing apart. And people who don't understand, they say, "You are, well, you are in the same house now. How can you say you are not talking? You are talking, but talking about meaningless things. How did you get close in the first place? You were talking about each other. When you get married, you start talking about other things except each other." And if you're going to build a solid marriage, you have to be deliberate about that. Most men don't like talking. Huh? We don't like talking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But we must learn it. Because before you got married, you were willing to listen and talk. There are very few men that love talking. Do you understand what I'm saying? But most men don't like talking. They'd rather be listening. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, you've got to learn it. I hear what I'm saying. Learn it, you see. I strongly believe that it is better to have certain things scheduled than not to do it. If you are waiting for spontaneous communication, you may never have it. So if you have to schedule it that every day or every two, two days, this is our time that we talk. Huh? In the evening before we sleep. And don't talk in the entire state where somebody sleeps off. And you are still talking 30 minutes. Especially someone that has bottled a lot of things up. And you thought the person was listening. 28 minutes later, you are just like, ah! So, so everything I've been saying, this guy has not been hearing. Talk together. Talk together. Talk together. Number four, plan together. Plan together. Plan together. Plan together. And don't ever think that talking is not necessary. Hmm. You see, that's why people eventually have to go through um, emergency counseling. The talking you did not talk. You will now go for counseling and they will now force you to talk. It's not that talking that you still talk. So why don't you just make it a lifestyle? Number four, plan together. 
plan together. Hebrews 12 and verse 13. Hebrews 12 and verse 13. And let me tell you this. Even for those of us that are in a relationship or if there is a marriage that is looking rocky, shaky, if you apply these things, I want to share 12, if I'm able to get there within the time I have left, you know, if you pay attention to these things, your marriage will be revitalized. Trust me. It will. Number four, plan together. Hebrews 12 and verse 13, the Bible says, make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is turned out of the way, right? Lest that which is turned let that which is lame be turned out of the way but let it rather be healed so the bible is saying make straight path for your feet what is talking about it what that literally means is make a plan for your life make a plan for your life as a family there must be a plan for the year 2024 is still in its infancy what's the plan for your family as a single what's the plan for your life if you are not given to planning as a single you will not be given to planning as a married person so i'm just talking to married people this morning but much more, if you're married, there must be a plan. What's the goal for the year? What are we planning to achieve this year? What's the overarching thing that must be done? Where are we going in this season? You've got a plan. And it is not enough to plan, especially for those of us that are married. It's not enough to have individual plans. You must have corporate plans. Because, you see, when you have separate plans, you will have separate lives. You just realize that everybody is pursuing their plan. They are fulfilling their plan, but we are growing apart. We are growing apart. So plan together. Plan your life together. Plan your day together. Plan your finances together. Right? Plan parenting together. Or else, daddy will say one thing, mommy will say something else. And the children will start turning you against each other like ping pong. Uh, daddy said, what did daddy say? Mommy now said, before you know it, they will turn you into enemies of each other. Plan everything together. Separate plan is indicative of separate lives. Planning will produce order in your home and in your life. Planning will reduce and almost eradicate stress. Planning will bring clarity into your home and into your life. Planning will increase your creativity. And planning will conserve your resources. Number five. Work together. Work together. Work together. Work together. Work together. Work or maybe I should say walk and earn together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9. The Bible says two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for her labor. For his labor. For their labor. It simply means they are laboring together. Do you understand what I'm saying? They are laboring together. In Every marriage that will work, both parties have to be pulling their weight. See, I, I, especially for a lot of Gen Zs, please, Gen Z ladies, listen to me and listen well. All this idea of, I want to marry a rich man that will take care of me eh, and spoil me silly. You may end up being silly. <laughs> I hear what I'm saying. You may end up being silly. It's not scriptural. See, <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It is when people, people say what a man can do, a woman can do better. But when it comes to things that should be done, they say, no, I want to live a soft life. And it is both ways. There are some men that don't like working. They are just looking for comfortable babes. They hear that the movement, you know, there are some guys, they just go after ladies that drive. Is that that lady, eh? she's a young baby and she's driving. She's always dressing well. A woman while away. She will have money. You are a lazy man. A lazy man. 
are planning around someone else's resources. In my language, that simply means a man that has and but will not work. Lazy of all men. At least. I hope I got the translation correctly. <laughs> Lazy man. You should work together. The Bible says that we have a good reward for dear labor. Now, situations may arise in marriage. Maybe because of parenting and stuff like that. Where someone, they, both parties agree that maybe for now you stay with the kids. Or maybe for now you do this. Down, work from home and all those things. But never willingly decide that, you know, uh, because I'm married now, I don't need to work. Where did you get that idea from? And many of us didn't get that idea from our parents. Or if you got it from your parents, you got a wrong template. I'm telling you that this morning. That's why the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good word for their labor. That's plural. It means both parties should be laboring. See, let me tell you this. There is no human being that God created to take care of you perpetually. Nobody. It should be a team thing. Marriage should be a team sport. Everybody's contributing their quota. Okay, I don't really have much time to explain all these things. But I hope you, I hope you will listen. Praise the Lord. All these celebrity, celebrity that you are following online. They, see, they are not telling you the real truth. You know, people only see nobody. <laughs> see, there are some people, they will be posting online telling you, oh, my boyfriend got this for me. My husband got this for me. It's a lie. They got it themselves. Do you know people buy cake on Valentine's Day and send it to themselves? They will have told somebody you will record. They even know when the cake will arrive. If something is a surprise, ah, you dressed up and you know where to open the door. Ah, we have sense now. They, they now open the door. Ah, and you say, like, ah, who will do this for me? They did it for themselves. Oh, don't, don't let anybody put your, give you hypertension and blood pressure. Number six. We're going to build a better marriage as a couple, safe together. You hear what I said? Safe together. I know this is a tough thing in many homes. I know. That's why if you are single, please listen to me. Don't marry someone whose financial judgment you don't trust. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because your finances will play a critical role in marriage. Now, you... (laughs) If you are a spender, most likely we will marry a saver. If you are a saver, you most likely marry a spender. But let me tell you this. These things can be worked upon. Don't use that as an excuse to remain the way you are. Some people just say, me, I'm a spender. I'm a spender. I'm a spender. You develop that habit, you can develop better habits. And some savers too, they need to spend more. Because some people just... <laughs> That's a direct attack on the man of God. <laughs> Some people just save, 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 save. I'm very bad with that. Once I have a project, in fact, if I have my way, I will say we are not eating the house. <laughs> you know, so even savers need to learn how to spend sometimes. I hear what I'm saying. Spend on yourself. You are laboring, enjoy the money. But it's not like you now spend everything, you now be looking before. <laughs> Praise God. But it's good as a couple to save together. Save together. If you are the one that does not save at all, let me tell you this, you are destroying that family. Because a day is going to come, emergency will show up, and emergencies come unannounced, and it can throw your family into crisis. I'll never forget, I think it was three, was it three years ago? One of our friends, you know, 
just got a call. The husband had been taken to the hospital. And for him to survive, one injection was, was it 1 million, 1.5 million. And he needed to take, is it 6 or 10? He's alive today. Because some people have something somewhere. You don't know the emergency. See, you can say that as a Christian, I rebuke it. They rebuke it. I'm telling you life. Life happens to everybody. So if you're just, the money is coming in now. You're just spending everything, spending everything. Always remember, every seven years of famine is followed by, sorry, every seven years of abundance is followed by seven years of famine. Because God expects that in those years of abundance, you are supposed to have saved for famine. But you are just enjoying life. You're just enjoying. Nothing being kept behind. Don't let that be you. It should be a better year. Your saving will save you. Proverbs 21 and verse 20. The Bible says there is treasure. Please let's have it on the screen. I can quote it, but I want us to see that scripture. I like that scripture. You know. So let it enter very well. Can we read it together? Want to go? There is treasure. That's not everybody. I want everybody to read it. Want to go? And oil in the dwelling of the wise. But the what? A foolish man does what? Ask your neighbor, are you a fool? No, don't be afraid. It's the Bible that said it. Huh? He said, a foolish man spends everything. So the Bible is saying, if you're always spending everything. And you know somebody may be thinking, ah, the money is not enough. And that's foolishness pro max. Pro max foolishness. To say the reason why you are not saving is because the money is not enough. Let me tell you this. Even if you are earning 10 million per month, it will still not be enough. Because you know why? Taste always increase to match income. Your taste will always increase. There was a time uh, when you were in school. Pocket money, maybe it was 10,000 naira or 3,000. You survived on 3,000 naira. How did you survive? Your income, the moment it increases, even the Bible says when wealth increases, they are increased, they are eat it. So the problem is not the income. The problem is your taste. The problem is your taste. Problem is your taste. You are earning twenty thousand naira, but your taste is two million. The problem is your taste. Problem is your taste. You know today people say things like someone is earning hundred k. Say I'm not ready to marry. Why? I don't have money. There are people who have fifty thousand naira. They are earning fifty thousand and they are married. The problem is your taste. Because they live their size, they wear their size, they use their size, and they trust God for growth. But you, you want to start where people have labor to get to. That's where the problem is. So you are the one delaying yourself. It's your taste. Actually, but I hope your taste is not delaying you. Mm. Number seven. This one, please listen to it to the end. Uh-huh. Number seven, sleep together. Uh-huh. Listen to the end. That's why I said you should listen to the end. Sleep together for married people. I hear what I'm saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sleep together. Many of us who grew up in homes where daddy had the room, mommy also had the room, is anti scripture. It's not scriptural. The moment you start having rooms, you have separate lives. I hear what I'm saying. Uh-huh. And, and because I grew up. <laughs> And I've always told my parents to stop watching our services. Because my mom says she watched services. Unfortunately, I will use you as an example again today. So in case you are watching. <laughs> I grew up seeing my dad and my mom have separate rooms. So I thought it was normal. So sometimes even maybe for Sadie and I have a misunderstanding. I've always had the study. So I just go to my study. I'll just go and be working. It's still something I'm working on. 
Pastor, really? Yes. Uh-huh. And my wife has always been the mature. She's just like, don't worry. <laughs> you are not feeling sleepy. When you are ready to sleep, you will come back into the room. That's why one of the things I always advise young people when they want to get married. Eh? Don't rent a house that's too big. So that when somebody is angry, you have nowhere to go. You will still go to the room. I'm telling you by experience. You have nowhere to go. <laughs> no, when there are too many rooms, you can just go to one room and lock the door. But when there's nowhere to be locked, you have no choice. You see. <laughs> so the, the fight will stop on time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And this is where I'm actually going because I'm not just talking about sleep together when it comes to sex. Because I know once people hear sleep now, they say we should be. <laughs> Make sure as married people, right, you pay attention to the sleep life of your partner. An adult is supposed to sleep between six to eight hours per day. If your partner is not sleeping, they will die early. It's not a cause. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you may become a widower, a widower earlier than you planned. So while the other person is always, and sometimes not just the men, there are some women that are the workaholic. They're always working and working, especially when you are doing remote work. You know, with remote work, there's no closing. Most times, you're always working, 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 working. Sometimes, help your partner to go and sleep. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't only, for those of us that are married, don't only say, come and sleep when you want to have sex. Sometimes say, come and sleep because we are truly interested in their health. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes when my wife is working and working, because she loves work, we both love work. It's one of the reasons why I married her. I'll just collect the phone. The one you have done is okay for tonight. Not all the time, but sometimes I just realize that this woman has not really rested. So help your partner to sleep, or else. May that not be our experience. In Jesus' name. Because the Bible says it gives the beloved sleep. So if you, are not lo- if you are losing your sleep, could it be that you are no longer as beloved? <laughs> because as beloved, you are supposed to be sleeping well. Praise God. Number eight, hang out together. Hang out together. And I hope you know that it is when you sleep that your body, the cells renew themselves. I hope you know. Number eight, hang out together. Hang out together. I've always said this. My stand has always been my stand. For people who plan to relocate, please, in this house, we don't believe in individual relocation as a couple. As a husband, you will go. When you will walk, you will now send for them. Uh, that's, that's nonsense. It's not scriptural. Go and check. Everyone that relocated in scripture, they relocated with their family. When God called Abraham, Abraham and Sarah left. When Jacob was going to leave Laban's house, his uncle, huh? he left with his wives. When God told Joseph, right, to rescue Jesus from, um, what's his name now? Herod's plan. He took Mary along. So if you have relocation plans, please plan together to relocate. I hear what I'm saying. Because the moment you create that gap, you will come back to meet someone that is no longer your wife or husband. Even right before your eyes, people are changing every day. Now so that's where you are apart. And things don't always work out the way you think they will. Now people just assume that the place where they are going, they are waiting for you. The government is waiting for you. They say, after one year, I will send for you. You are the one that we approve it, Abby. So I'll send for you. Now, within six months, every six months, I come out. I come out. 
you are the one that will give the approval because it's your country, you are the president of where you are going to. As much as it's within your power, plan to travel together if that is part of your goals. However, what I'm talking about is hang out together. You must learn to spend time together alone. There are couples that they don't even enjoy spending time together except they are with other people. While that has its place, you need to hang out with friends together, but you must also learn to hang out together alone. Those were some of the things you did before you got married. That's one of the things you still need to do to maintain that marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, ah, oh, with all the bills, bills, bills. Before you got married, you had bills. Didn't you? You had bills. The bills, bills never stop. You will pay bills and you die. Or don't you know? They say some two things are sure. Taxes. Huh? Bills. And death. They are sure. There's nothing you can do about it. As long as you are alive, those three things is part of your life. So if you say, ah, because of bills, because of bills, because of bills, you won't hang out. Say, hanging out together creates memories for the future. A time will come in your life, what you will be left with are memories. If you don't, and the thing about memories is they don't create themselves. You consciously create them. You consciously create them. That's why Jesus, see that Jesus spent more time with his disciples. They were always together. That's an example for us to follow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Spend time with your family. Hang out together. Hang out together. Very important. Go to places together. Don't be that man. Don't be that woman that they always ask, where is your wife? Where is your husband? Some people, they are like soldier. Huh? And they've never been recruited. Always alone. Even when they are with their partner, they are in front. The partner is 30 minutes away. Always ahead, always ahead. Why? Are you not proud of that person? Go on vacation together. Go on family visits together. Do all those things together, right? Number nine, follow together. Follow together, follow together. Very important, follow together. There must be shared submission to someone's mentorship and shepherding. If you are going to build a better marriage, I see, I see a lot of people make this mistake a lot. In my house, we listen to the same people and we follow the same people. My wife can be hearing one pastor in Potter Court and me, I'm hearing someone in... Oh, that, that marriage is already gone. You know why? You'll be hearing different voices. And different voices will lead to different choices. Different choices will lead you to different destinations. Before you know it, you just realize you are growing apart. So there must be shared submission. Who is our pastor in this home? Who is our mentor? Who is it that we need to, if something happens, we will both carry ourselves to? Not that she has her own mentor, he has his own mentor, he has somebody he talks to, and you, you don't like the person. No matter what the person says, you will believe they are siding him against you. But when you both have the shared, you know, you know, there's, a, there's someone you are both submitted to. Someone you are both following as a couple, as a family. And you know they have your best interest at heart. Things are easier. Issues will be solved easily. Or like you just already, you are, there's already a prejudice in your mind that this person, they don't like me. Anything they say, I know it's him they are supporting. And let me tell you this, you can't be submitted together to a family member. Your family or his family. I hear what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Someone neutral. Someone that wants the best for your home. Praise the Lord. Number 10, learn together. Learn together. Learn together. Growth and personal development is a cardinal requirement for a sustainable marriage and destiny. Learn together. 
As a woman, you are learning something. You are discovering something forwarded to your wife. Or you are engaged. Or you, you see, and let me tell you this. That's why I said this thing also applies for those of us that are single. If you are not practicing this thing as a single, it will be difficult for you to do in marriage. You discover something. You have friends. Share it with them. You know, the reason why some people are so selfish, so self-absorbed, is because even when they were single, they were self-absorbed. Haven't you noticed some people? Married people. They're on their phone. Their spouse is in the room. <laughs> What's funny? <laughs> What's funny? Simple sharing joke. You say online, you can't share. Say, <laughs> so don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> What's funny? You know, they've been doing it since they were single. They don't know how to share things. Simple forward joke. You saw a joke. Forward. Whatever you are learning, your partner must also be learning. Or else one day, you will go out with your spouse, with your friends. They will crack a joke. Your spouse will laugh 30 minutes later. I will, what? I just understood because when you were learning, the person was not learning, you left the person behind. So there is now a gap in intellect and in wisdom. That's what happens when you are not learning together. You read the book, share it with your partner. If they don't have time to read it, for instance, I can never expect my wife to be reading the way I'm reading, or else his book will be eaten in the house. She can't read the way I'm reading. <laughs> Do you understand? Because reading is part of my own work. I need to read every day and multiple books at the same time. So when she can't read it, I tell her what I read in the book. I give her the summary. It will enter in the gist. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you know, some people just like the fact that they are know-it-alls. That once I talk like this, my wife, she'll just respect me. In marriage, you are one. If she doesn't know, if you marry a stupid wife, you are the stupid man. Because she will not be able to represent you. If you are a smart woman and your husband is not learning, you are the one that will be disgraced. Because one day, people will just assume when you are very smart and you are not available, they will just say, oh, can your wife represent you? It will just say, I know she's busy. When she's not busy. Because you too, you know the damage you have done. That she opens her mouth like this. Mm. Number 11, give together. Give together. Give together. As much as is within your power, avoid doing secret givings as a couple. Somebody hear what I said? The day somebody discovers their trust will be betrayed. And I've heard of instances of people who had to do that because their spouse is always against their generosity. That's why once again, if you are single in this house, ah, marry someone who is on the same frequency with you in generosity. If you are a generous person, marry your kind. If you are not a generous person, may God help you. Or work on it. So, you know where you begin to notice there's a problem? You are dating someone. You want to give something to your parents. Ah, is it not too much? I did you just give them something two weeks ago. There's fire on the mountain. And nobody seems to be under. Because you should be running. At that time. In fact, you should not be running. You should be fleeing. You know, there's a difference between running and fleeing. Someone sees what you give to God. He says, why, why, why are you giving to God that much? Are you the one that killed Jesus? See so what you give to your parents? 
See what you give to people important in your life. They start attacking it. You have to explain every giving. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. So that one is even a big problem. So the one I'm even talking about, because there is an assumption we are Christians. And we understand that generosity and the Christian faith, they are inseparable. What I'm talking about is the fact that as a couple, plan even your giving. Talk about your giving. I hear what I'm saying. Don't do secret givings. The, the, the assumption is that you have the same values. So don't, don't be hiding something you want to give your parents. You are not hiding it. And you know, the cat is always out of the bag sometimes. Because some parents will now call you. They call the spouse. Ah, thank you, Eshe. What you saying to? We saw your hand. You now be wondering which hand. Because you know you did not stretch any hand. You now get to now ask your husband. They said they saw our hand. Which hand? You now become actually. Because now I have to think up of a lie. Don't let that happen to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number 12. Build together. Build together. Build together. Genesis 11 verse 5 to 6. And we have it on the screen. That's the last thing I want to talk about. Have you been blessed this morning? I wish I had time to really explain everything in depth. Number 12 built together. Genesis 11, 5 and 6. And we read out loud together one to go. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do and nothing shall be restrained from them which they have what? So this is God saying that these people they have decided to build and we can't stop them. Why? Because they are in agreement. If you are going to build a better marriage, you must decide to build a better marriage together. Am I making sense? If you make that decision, even the devil cannot stop you. Because God himself said he can't stop it. The only way is to confuse their language. And the reason why God did that was not because he didn't want them to build. It was because it was against his eternal purpose and plan. Which was for man to spread all over the nations of the earth. But at this time, these guys decided that they didn't want to spread over the earth. And God needed them to spread. That's why he said, let's confuse their language so they can spread all over the earth. Let's build together. Don't be building separate things as a couple. This one is building, this one is building. Involve each other in what you're building. Build a life together. Build your home together. Build your business together. Don't say, she she does not understand my... How did you understand it? You brought it from heaven. You learnt it. Whatever you learn, someone else can learn. I hear what I'm saying this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the seed of your word that, was, that has been sown in our hearts. We thank you, Father, because your word says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. We ask that these things we have learned this morning, you will multiply them in our hearts. You will give us greater understanding. And you will help us to put these things to work. And as we do that, you cause our results to be evident for all to see. Thank you, Father, for answered prayers. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Let's celebrate the Lord Jesus. All right. So, um, in case you want to ask the question in person, you don't want to um, do the online thing, right? So, if you have anybody that wants to ask the question, maybe with a mic, you want to ask in person, um, let's have that. So, um, we have a question here that says, can a lady marry a guy younger than her with six years? First lady, answer the question. (laughs) 
but there are instances of people who've married people that ladies that are eight years older than them. Ten years, eh? And ten years, and their marriage is working. So I don't yes. think it's about the age. I think it's about the individuals involved. Can you handle it? Can you manage it? Is it for you? You see, and let me tell you this: this kind of relationship does is not for everyone. If it is for you, the moment you start thinking, ah, can I handle it? Can I? You can't handle it. Because if you can handle it, it will never be an issue from the day one, right? So if you have to start thinking, can I handle it? Is it for me? Will it work for me? Then it is not for you. I hear what I'm saying. So it depends. Can it work for you? If not, just let it go. What are the compulsory requirements in a relationship before marriage? And should sex be mandatory in a relationship before marriage? Sex should not even be an option. You see, the moment you start, the moment sex is involved in your relationship, uh, uh, your brain literally shuts down. I can tell you that. The things you are supposed to see, except in very extreme cases, the things you are supposed to see, you will not see. The questions you are supposed to ask, you will not ask. Because, you see, the flesh is never satisfied. Every time you want to see your partner, what you'll be thinking about is how to go higher, or go deeper, or whichever one. Uh, if you start with peck, the next time you want to see her, you want, if it's forehead peck, next time you have imagined how it will be lips to lip peck. The next time, it will not stop at lips to lips. See, the thing about the flesh is don't just start. The moment you start, it will continue. That's why it is best advice. That's why the Bible encourages us to do it in marriage. Because in marriage, you have a right. You can explore. You can go to any extent. It's your life. But in a relationship, it is not advice. Because you are not even sure you will marry the person in the first place. Let me tell you this. I've seen marriage um, relationships end a day before the wedding. So until you get married and you both say, I do, you are not married. Introduction is not marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've been dating for 10 years. It's not marriage. If your families have not been witnesses, you've not gotten to the point where you both said, I do, you are not married. And so what are the compulsory requirements in a relationship before marriage? Please get the book, How to Find the Right Person to Marry. We have a book in church, How to Find the Right Person to Marry. And we encourage, if you're single in this house, everybody should read that book. I can't tell you that these are the things, one, two, three, because it's more than that. It's a whole discourse on its own, right? And the reason why books are written is so that we won't have to keep repeating ourselves. So get the book, it will answer all your questions. Um, this person is saying, I have two men that want to get married to me. <laughs> they are both supportive financially, morally, spiritually. Is it your question? It is. Uh, it's someone's question, and please let's respect the question. I am confused in selecting the one. The one I have. I'm confused in selecting the one. I have prayed, fasted, but seems both. But I see both. What else? Stroke. Wait, she sees both when she prays and fasts. Yeah. What else stroke measures can I take to know who the man is? I recently got a good job with IP. One of the men is happily, genuinely, uh, the other one feels threatened. What uh, you have already crossed out one <laughs> <laughs> much. Do you think the one threatened is not the one for me? Uh, the one threatened obviously cannot be for you. However, the one that is happy, the fact that is happy doesn't also mean it's the one for you. Exactly. Uh-huh. So the one that is threatened, you know why I said is is not the one for you. The amount you are earning now, is that the highest you ever earn in your destiny? So when you earn more than that, what will happen? It will kill you. <laughs> so, someone that cannot celebrate your wins now, 
is already a red flag. And I also want to say that um, a lot of times, most ladies look out for somebody who is supporting you, supportive financially, morally, spiritually. Even you yourself should be a support for yourself. So it shouldn't be, finance shouldn't be the first thing you look out for. I've said it several times that I meant that they see marriage as a project. They see that this person is from a good family, is from, uh, she's rich. So they go and borrow money to finance that project. So if a man is supporting financially, it doesn't mean that he's not owing. Or doesn't mean that he's financially stable. doesn't even mean he's supposed to be married. You are a project. Yes, you are a project. And so once a person has gotten you, that's the end. So don't just think that, oh, because this person is supporting me. You yourself should look at, you need to get the book out to find the right person to marry. Look at, ask yourself questions and ask him questions also. Have that conviction. When I was going to get married, a lot of places where I go to, formal places, they would tell me, you're going to get married to a pastor. And I'm like, at that time, I think I had like four pastors at the same time trying to ask me. And I'm like, when my husband came, he didn't even, we didn't even start a relationship as pastor to, I didn't even know he was a pastor. We're just flowing, you know. So what are you also looking out for? Are you looking out for, oh, somebody who will take care of me, somebody who is financially stable. So you should check out what you're looking out for. Make sure you, because for you to say that, oh, you are fasted, you are saying both because that's what you want in your heart. You want somebody that, last week we had a meeting with women. I was surprised for the single ladies to say that because the married men dresses well because they have a sponsor. Your husband is not your sponsor. If he has a, if he has a project before you came into his life, he always have a project. You are not his sponsor because before you came into your life, you also have a project. But you can come together and sponsor each other's dream. You know, so don't have that mentality that, oh, I want to marry this guy because he's financially stable. Oh, because he's going to help me financially. No. Marry the person because, number one, you share the same value. If you marry somebody because you feel that he's rich, if he's rich today, will he be rich tomorrow? Some people were rich during, before lockdown. And after lockdown, they've not gotten themselves back. And some people became rich during lockdown. So you need to sit yourself and ask yourself, what do I really want? So get that book and read the book. Is a church wedding required by scripture? If so, where in the Bible is it mentioned? The wedding dates, the wedding Jesus attended as a guest, was it Jewish traditional wedding? You see, when people ask this kind of question, I know where they are going. Mm. It's because they are trying to avoid some things. You see, there is a principle um, in scriptures. It's a principle of honor. The principle of honor simply means you put God first in all that you do. Some things don't have to be stated clearly in the Bible. Is it in the Bible you should go to university? Why are you going to the university? Is it in the Bible you should drive car? Is it not all seas and camels the road in the Bible? Why are you not riding us and camel? Uh, you know, so when people ask this kind of question, I know where they are going to try. They are trying to boycott something. Just say you don't want to do church wedding. It's fine. If that is fine. But really, is it fine? That's a question you need to ask yourself. If that's your thing, no problem. Right? But if you are a serious Christian and believer, you will not try to boycott either church wedding or church blessing or the involvement of God. The most important thing is just make sure God is involved in the marriage. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. If you're saying church wedding, I know the, maybe what the person is also trying to say. I want to say from that standpoint is, uh, do you have to have a... Um, counseling session. I don't even stuff. think it's counseling session. 
if the person that is asking this question is a member of gateway they can't be asking that question uh, because we already know our stand in case you are just joining the gateway church we are not part of marriages if you came here as a single you will not get married without going through counseling we will not be involved me you call me in the night I shall not pick my call in the morning i will reply you except the holy spirit tells me to pick it anyway because you knew what was right to do you thought you were smart and so if you are a rebellious person i will not allow your rebellion to affect my own marriage because if i'm picking calls midnight every night i will not enjoy my own marriage Uh, do you understand what i'm saying so do things the right way don't try to boycott god the most important thing is witnesses need to be present your family must give their consent most important when i mean family your parents if your parents are still alive right make sure they give their content very important don't run away with somebody's child they will run away with your own all this idea of we love each other they are not supporting us pray that's why you have prayer and that's why you have people that they can talk to that can talk to your parents we're not saying they don't believe in us but god has told us we will run away they will catch you where you are running to exactly and that, that happened to us when we were getting married there were a lot of um restructuring that was going on in my church at that time so it was like they were delaying us because we had already picked a date and they had said okay and every other thing and at some point they were going back and forth and i remember i shared it with someone then and the person was like what get a um, what's it called get a hall get the pastors to come if they're not going to come i will come and join you people together and everything and i was like oh okay and i remember i shared it with my um, um spiritual mom and then she said ah i'm sorry i will not be involved in that kind of a thing and I remember then, she said, a lot of times when you, when you feel that you, don't, you want to dodge God, we're always saying that in my house, you want to dodge God, you will meet him in front. There are lots of things that will happen that people that did things right, when some things happen, you say, God, what did I do? Let alone when you, you feel that you want to dodge God. So do things appropriately, please. Do things appropriately. Get parental consent. Get the concept of if you if you don't have parents, if you feel that you you lived life alone, you still have family. Because there's no way you want to get married to anyone that you won't bring your family. Get their consent, you know, especially the parental figure in your life. And so once you um, um, do that, you don't need elaborate um, what's it called church wedding. Even if it's church blessing, make sure you are doing things right because you are also better than family and you are passing a burden to somebody. So what you do is what you pass on to, to, to the next generation. So if not for anything, know that you are, you know, somebody is taking over from you. Praise God. Do you necessarily have to agree with everything your pastor or mentor says? Or is it okay not to agree with them 100% with some things? I need to know which things you are talking about. Because this question is too broad. Right? Um, if God has positioned you in a church... And when you say I agree with them in everything, you know, there are some things that are personal opinions, right? We define personal opinions. For instance, you may be PDP, I may be APC. You don't need to agree with me on that because those are not scriptural things. But when it comes to the standards of God's word, and we can both see it in the Bible like this, it's not about agreeing with the pastor, it's about agreeing with what God has said. It's just like saying I like black jeans, you, you like blue jeans. Do you need to agree with me on that? No, no, you don't. I'm a fan. You're a man. Uh, you fan. are a man. You fan. Even though I can't be a man, you fan. I'm not a red devil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So there are things you know you do, may not need to agree on because they are not scriptural. They are not destiny issues. But when it comes to things that the Bible, you know, it's very clear about. Please, oh, agree with God. 
agree with God because some pastors who don't agree with the Bible again. Mm. Uh-huh. And so today grace covers everything. Grace has become a license for sin. Say the grace of God covers everything. That's not the grace the Bible teaches. The Bible says, Shall we continue in grace and say um, shall we continue in sin and say grace you are bound? It says, God forbid. Uh, so that one, don't agree with that one. No grief. What is the best way to preach to someone who used to be very involved with the things of God but now no longer wants to have anything to do with church? Preach with your life. When your life is showing that serving God pays, following God pays, you know, even when you are not preaching to them with words, they are saying it. They are saying it that it really looks like I'm missing out on something. If you are so close to that person, you may not even be the best person to tell them. Sometimes the best people to reach those that you are, you are very close to is someone else that they are not that close because of familiarity. So the best thing you can do is to pray for them. Sometimes talk about it in conversations. Talk about it in an informal way. right? But don't be so intrusive and be so direct except you know, the Holy Spirit tells you to do it that way. And also intercede. Intercede and sow seed and continually pray for them. I remember there was a time that you know my dad was at, at that point a lot of things were happening to him that he could not just wrap his head around i'm always going to church and this is happening to me and everything and we were all concerned in my house if i sometimes jokingly would just tell him and would do all of those things but at some point the lord opened our eyes it was my father started first started praying for him we started sowing seeds on his behalf when we go to church and they're having maybe like family Sunday, we'll pray for my dad we'll do all of those stuff and now ah you can't separate my dad from, from church. So pray, you know, intercede. You can also um, um, tell somebody to join you in prayer. Prayer of agreement, you know, for that particular person. Praise God. If a person has history of being previously violent, that is, in their past relationship, they were involved with domestic abuse, is it okay to date such persons after they have gotten help? And you cannot be the help. Or else you will be the victim. Uh-huh. You can't be the They must have gotten help. When you now certify they have been helped, you can now think of relationship. Now, don't help them to date them. Yes. <laughs> That's a mistake. Help them as a human being if you must help them to get help. But the moment you are already emotionally attached or attractive to the person, you cannot be their help. You cannot be. Because even when they have not yet been helped, you will believe they have been helped because you're already in love. Right. How can you tell if a guy will cheat on you or not? Most guys are good at hiding it nowadays. How can you tell? The Holy Spirit will reveal to you. No, no, I'm serious. You see, I've seen a lot of... I mean, I've been a church girl for a very long time. And I've seen a lot of brothers that, when they are praying, when you hear their tongues, you will go back to God and say, Father, am I, do you actually have tongues? Change my tongues. Change my tongues. <laughs> and they are the best of cheaters that you can never think about they are the ones that will sleep with different girls and all of those stuff but there are some people that once I just see them the only thing will just reveal to me that this person don't just mind this person so you need to sharpen your own spiritual work with God so that God can if you are, it's just like saying that somebody that I like and I see you that you want to go and enter into fire I'll tell you that no fire is there fire is there you can only sit here so that's, that's the best way. Even the ones that will be in the future. I remember there was someone that wanted her to marry someone. And she said that the Holy Spirit said he was going to impregnate somebody in the future. I said, ah, ah. Lo and behold, that person got married. Four years after, he impregnated someone. So it wasn't this thing. We were still in school. So it wasn't like we left school or we came back. It was that, it was that real. 
So if you are so very, um, what's it called? Real with God. I remember I have a friend that was supposed to date. My friend, we've been friends for years and I didn't know that he, he, he drinks. He, as, in, as in, I didn't know. It was revealed to me in my prayer time and I asked and it was like, you are a witch. And I knew that, oh, this person is no go area. So as a woman, you just have to sharpen, you know, your spiritual life. When you pray, spend time with God and everything. If you spend time with the man, you can't know. You cannot know because he will tell you as imprinted. It's God that can tell you. And there are also some things that are signs. You know, there are signs that you will see and you will know that this guy, for instance, a guy, you say you are dating, but he always has time for every woman. He never has male friends. All his best friends are women. And he has them in their numbers. You see one today, you see another one tomorrow, you know. It's a sign. He's in discipline. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, because there's a measure, anybody that is serious with a relationship, there's a measure of exclusivity that will come into that relationship. If there is no exclusivity, right, to a very great extent, even before you get married, then something is already wrong somewhere. It's a, it's a telltale sign that something may go wrong later in the future, right? Um, is it a problem if you can't access your partner's phone? It is a problem. Problem. Because what are you hiding? You see, for instance, we have access to our phones, but we don't snoop around on each other's phone. For instance, I find my wife's phone very boring. Even when I want to check it, I just oh, this phone is so boring. Because my wife's app, because me, I'm everything about my life very arranged. If I put something somewhere, if you just touch it, I will know somebody has touched it. Is that I'm that organized to a fault. <laughs> so when I see her, I just open her phone and I see apps scattered all over the place. Is it a discouragement? I'll be first thing is I'll be arranging the app. I'll, the next time I see the phone, the thing has scattered again. I just go take your phone. You know? So it depends. What's the motive? What do you want to do on that phone? Some people want to have access to phone to be monitoring their partner. Who is he talking to? Who is she talking to? You know, so that already tells you that you don't trust that person. So the solution is not having access to their phone. The solution is having a conversation. Because sometimes, you know, if you don't trust the person, you may even be saying things that will increase the distrust and even damage the relationship further. So it depends on what works for you. It's, you're supposed to have access as it were, but not to be snooping into your partner's phone. You know. If you have got to a stage of snooping, it means that there is, the trust is shaky. I remember when we first got married, we used the same phone at that time and I took my husband's phone out he took my phone out so you know and I know that some people cannot do it that's the end of the marriage because <laughs> a lot of things would have gone wrong when we first got married there were people that you know um, I'll call them fans that would call me and then you can imagine calling my husband and say ah so if it's a man that doesn't understand some people don't understand that in your like we enjoy you do you understand I remember that there was a day when the kitchen, somebody called me and I put my phone on speaker and they said, I like you. I like what I'm seeing. I want to be... Can you imagine that kind of talk? So if somebody is not trusted, the next thing you hear is that, ah, are you serious? Where do you know this person from? How do you know? But if from the beginning you understand each other, there's nothing to hide, it won't affect anything. Some people now, you can't take their phone for three hours. There will be problem, problem, problem. You know, so it's, it's, it's something that 
It's something that you should, um, what's it called? It's something that we should look into before you get into the marriage so that you don't give yourself a potential. You know, you don't have uh, blood pressure. So it's something that it should be, it should, it should be normal. Like, your phone is here, my phone is here. Anybody can pick up phone. Not that, ah, you want to take my phone. What is it? You know, the trust should be more than phone. The trust should be more than phone. If anybody is sending a message to my husband, there are people that send messages to my husband that they don't send messages to me. I don't feel any way because I know that we trust each other. It trusts me enough to go. Sometimes I travel now and he's in Lagos. And sometimes he travels and I'm at, and I'm at home. And then when he calls, I can say, who called you? How many, how many missed calls? How many? It, it will affect the relationship. All right, please. Thank you. Good morning, church. Please, uh, my, I want to ask a question. What if a fiance, husband to be cut off a marriage that's going to happen soon? And he told his partner that he feels that they are not compatible. And the partner asks that why, and he feels like, oh, my past relationship, I'm a bit naughty, playful, you are too spiritual, I don't like it, it's affecting, you deserve a pastor instead of being with me. And later on, the partner comes around and says, okay, I'm sorry about this, but now he's confused. (laughs) And what can the lady do? The lady lady does not need a confused human being. Especially if anybody is confused in a relationship, you should not be a man. Because it's supposed to be the head. An incorrect head will lead you to an incorrect destination. A woman can say, a woman shouldn't be confused also. But a man should know what he wants. It should be very clear. That's why I love guys that, you know, when they want something, they go after it. I want to marry you. Well, we are not going seven years. Time that you should have used to collect certificates and masters. And they will now ask you, and they'll be saying, yeah, it's a lie, it's a lie. What's a lie? Someone has been dating you. What else do you expect? You know, so you need a correct head. So if he's confused, it's a deliverance. Yes. He should be going with his confusion. And I like to have that. Um, sometimes, maybe better is coming. Yeah. Yes. It's not maybe. Better is actually Better coming. is on, the, on, the, yeah. on its way. So I always want to say this. I remember I had a client too. Who's, um, I just noticed this fear in her. And I was like, what, what exactly is wrong? And then she said that a past relationship... Uh, ended at the altar that she was the only one that made it to church. The guy was nowhere to be found. So, and it was like maybe three or four years after she got a guy and then she kept saying that, you know, ah. so I had to tell her that, let me tell you something. This is God blessing you. So you need to see him as a blessing. Don't judge him. Don't say, ah, he to him, I not show up. It was as, she, she kept asking, is he at the, I said, why won't the groom be at the venue? Why are you asking if the groom is at the venue? So I was like, this thing is more than what, she will call. You know, so I had to go and see her. Then she now opened up to me that, you know, this and this happened to her. And I said, let me tell you something. It's just like saying that you had an accident, maybe a bike accident, or maybe you had a car accident, or maybe something happened, or maybe a pot fell, or maybe a broken egg. Would you say it would stop you from eating egg? Would you say it would stop you from eating? I said, no. So erase that and believe that God wants the best for you. And that's why you are here right now. So once something is not working, I always share it that there was a time that my husband said, we need to give ourselves a break. He didn't say it wasn't, it wasn't going to, we're not even at married stage. But he just said, dead break. And at that time, at some point I was sad like, God, but you told me that this guy is my husband. And on the other hand, I said, God, I know that every good gift comes from you. So if this one is not working, better one is coming. You know, so when he better came back. Better is not coming. Better has come. <laughs> <laughs> better is here. <laughs> so when he came back, I wasn't surprised because I know 
you know, the God that I serve. So don't underrate God. Let God work it out. Let people see and say, ah, people came to my wedding and they were shocked. There were some people that didn't know that, you know, I'd broken up my ex and everything. And when they told my husband, they were like, are you serious? Some people still, like last year, two years ago, ah, this is your husband, are you serious? I thought you guys were having a movie. I said, oh, I'm sorry. So sometimes, even you, you are not allowing God to manifest. So just trust God. Trust God that you are not, you know, you can't wait on God and then he will not be giving you what you will be. Every good gift is from God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. All right, let's celebrate the Lord Jesus.